All right, we're here on Ask Me Anything. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer, who's going to be answering a question today, like always. I am Matt Love, who's going to be asking a question today, like always. And this is a question, it's a listener question, but a listener question we've gotten a lot. We've gotten a lot of questions about this. Um, and so we felt like, J.D., it would be a good one to, to kind of process through. So we, we've done questions about divorce, but should I get a divorce if I'm miserable in my marriage? That's that's the question today. Should I get a divorce if I'm miserable in my marriage? Now, Matt, I'm hoping this this question doesn't come from Lindsay, Lindsay Love, who is your um, incredible sweet wife. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm assuming it's not from her. So let me just ask, assume that's <laughs> uh, that's the case. But you know, listen, we actually get this this question a lot here at Summit Life, and my heart goes out to people that are in these kinds of situations. Um, there's nothing more um, devastating and heartbreaking than being in a relationship like that that's supposed to bring life and joy that ends up feeling like misery. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I mean, the Bible at multiple points will advocate caution as you're approaching this relationship because you're about to tie yourself to someone financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You're going to tie yourself to them for the rest of your life. And it's not a covenant to be entered lightly. In fact, that's why Jesus one time after um, talking about how how solid, how indissoluble the the marriage covenant is. His disciples are like, well, maybe it's better never to get married, you know, because Jesus talks about it with that level of strength. And so, you know, I, I sympathize with people who, for whatever reason, now find themselves in a situation where it's really difficult. I should mention that we have done a podcast before here on whether or not it's divorce is okay, in which I walk through the biblical reasons and analyze some of the arguments on either side. And I'm not going to fully go through that again today. I just will we'll link to that in the show notes. You can go back and and listen to that podcast. But I do want to acknowledge that my conclusion, as I as I state on that podcast, is that there are some cases in which the Bible. Uh, the trajectory of the Bible or the teaching of the Bible is that divorce is justifiable. Um, you always remember them by the three A's, um, adultery. I mean, Jesus talked about that. For doesn't mean if there's adultery, you have to get divorced. But for some people, that sin is so devastating that Jesus makes an exception for it because it's it's like, at least I think it's like he understands that some people just have a hard time ever coming back from that. The, the second one is when we say um, abandonment. Uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 talks about an unbeliever leaving, or you might even think a believer who begins to act like an unbeliever and walks away from their marriage covenant that you know Paul says they're no longer bound. And the word that he uses there for bound, um, most scholars believe indicates he's talking about leaving the marriage. You're no longer um, tied to it. And then um, then there's the abuse question, which to me would, would be the same logic as abandonment, which is the person has made themselves unable to be lived with. In that podcast, I explained that that's not something you arrive at lightly or on your own. It should be in conversations with your counselor or with a pastor about what really puts you into that that category. Um, so I'd encourage you to listen to that. Um, but the specific question was was not if those things are present in your relationship, but what if you know the question is what if I'm just miserable? And here the Bible is pretty clear that that in that case you don't have a justified reason to leave. Um, he, he, here's why. Um, divorce has never really been primarily about you and your happiness. It's about a covenant that reflects God's unconditional love. And sometimes you show that by being with somebody who is not at the time meeting all of your needs and giving you warm fuzzies all day long. Divorce is breaking a covenant that was supposed to to demonstrate for people the love of God. In a sense, it lies about the unconditional love of God to the children and to the watching world. I mean, Jesus didn't stay with us because we made him happy. We made him miserable. And it was it was that love that ultimately not only changed our hearts, but 
uh, showed his greatest glory. Now, somebody hears that and they say, well, I mean, does God want me to be miserable? No, not at all. Of course not. And the reason I said what I said at the beginning is, you know, there's reasons we tell our children and, and dating people to take such caution because that's it's such a weighty decision. And if you're married and you're in a not a great marriage, um, yeah, God does not want you to be miserable at all. But here's the thing. The way to happiness in the Bible is never through a change of circumstances. The way to happiness in the Bible is always holiness. Gary Thomas, who's a marriage counselor, says, he says, what if God's main purpose in marriage was not to make you happy in another human being? His main purpose in marriage was to make you holy by making you more like Christ. And the happiness that you would find in holiness would be greater than the happiness that you would find um, in another human. And what that means in those cases is that you stay married, even though it it makes you personally feel miserable and unfulfilled. Now, again, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about a situations in which there's abuse. That was what we dealt with in another podcast. I'm just talking about situations where you, you personally don't feel fulfilled. You're unhappy. You feel like I've changed. She's changed. He's changed. I'd be better with another partner, and that would make me happier. Russell Moore said this, and I thought this was really helpful. Remaining faithful to a wife that you wish you had not married might seem miserable to you, but but taking up a cross and following Jesus is miserable, in the short run at least. That's why the book of Hebrews presents the life of faith in terms of, of sometimes not receiving what was promised. It's Hebrews eleven thirty nine. but seeing it and embracing it from afar. Sometimes the happiness that you're embracing in the midst of a difficult marriage is the happiness that is not now in the present, Hebrews is saying, but a happiness that that is there in the future. And that happiness of being faithful to Christ, being conformed to Christ, and ultimately hearing from him, well done, good and faithful servant. So Matt, let me use the remainder of the time just to say, how do you stay in a difficult marriage? Let me throw out a few practical pieces of advice. Um, I always say, number one, reject the right person myth. Uh, we talked a lot about this in our relationship series, but the right person myth is that there's a right person out there for you and that the, a good marriage, a fulfilling marriage, and therefore your happiness is determined by finding that person. When you believe that myth and you think, if I'm not happy, then I must never have found that person. And if I can get rid of this person, then maybe I could find my true soulmate. Um, the myth says, if you're not happy in marriage, you're just not with the, with the right person. But here's the thing. Um, you always marry the wrong person. That's that's kind of what I say after 20 you know plus years of marriage. How do I know that? It's not because of any dissatisfaction with Veronica, of course. It's just that you're both sinners. You're both sinners who will disappoint and fail each other. Um, so you married a wrong person because they were a sinner who will never live up to all that you need them to be. Plus, plus both of you change over time. They say that um, uh, the, in the course of, of the average married life, if you're married for 40 or 50 years, you're married to about five different people because every you know seven to 10 years, they change kind of everything about them. And, and so if you're married to the right person now, bad news. In seven to 10 years, you may not be married to them again. And, and glorifying God in marriage means at some point, learning to love unconditionally somebody who may not be ideally suited for you. So that's number one. Number two, I always say, do it for Jesus. The covenant that you made in marriage was first and foremost for him. Even if you weren't a Christian when you got married, marriage was still his creation and, and, and you did it in his name. So you may not feel in that moment that the person standing in front of you is worthy of forgiveness or or your continued faithfulness, but but Jesus always is. And so do it for him and his name is associated with that marriage. And so you do it for his honor and glory, even if if it's not what's personally fulfilling for you. Um, number three, soak yourself in God's grace. What precedes Jesus' teaching on marriage in Matthew 19 is his teaching on forgiveness. And, and that's not an accident. 
Uh, ultimately, what kills a marriage isn't usually a specific infraction. It's it's a hardened heart that that is unable to really forgive and live in grace. It's not the fights or the frustrations or the lack of fulfillment. It's it's a posture of the soul that ultimately kills marriage. The good news is that Jesus can soften your heart by showing you more about his grace. When he overwhelms you with his grace, that tends to make you more gracious to others. That's uh, been a big factor in mine and Veronica's marriage is um, we've learned to give each other grace as we have soaked ourselves in the awareness of how much grace God has shown to us. It's the phrase that I often use. In my marriage, I think of myself as first sinner and only secondly sinned against. I usually approach situations thinking I'm sinned against, and that's why I'm so angry. I always remind myself, no, I'm first sinner against God and only secondly sinned against, and embracing his forgiveness of me enables me to more freely and easily extend it to her. Uh, Number four is do it for others. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7. He's like, hey, maybe you're in an unfulfilling marriage to an unbeliever, but God put you there for that unbeliever's sake and the children's sake. And you need to sanctify them through your obedience, which means give them a chance to see grace and faithfulness lived out up close. I'm not talking about gritting your teeth and staying married while the kids are in the house and then you divorce after. I mean, certainly staying married while the kids are in the house. But even beyond that, it's now about the name of God and about how they understand covenant faithfulness. And so doing it as a testimony to others to bring glory to God. And then the last one is get some counseling. Many couples wait way too long to go into that counselor's office because they think it's like, you know, counseling is only for people that have real problems. Veronica and I have found it helpful at at periodic times early in our marriage and all throughout our marriage to just go in and let a counselor analyze some of the communication patterns that we're developing, some of the ways we're dealing with conflict and anger, and to say, hey, you know, this is causing irritation now, but it could cause devastation later. Um, Men, if you're listening to me, you ought to be the ones that are making those counseling appointments. A lot of times I see wives dragging their their resistant, recalcitrant husbands into the counseling office. Men, that's that's our responsibility to say, hey, something doesn't feel right about this. Let's get in, have somebody that's skilled in this, knows the Bible well, is willing to listen to us, help us walk through the, the right ways to extend forgiveness and the right ways to relate to each other and uh, how to get along. I said five, but I got one more, and it's just because I, I remember something my wife said uh, just as we were walking through this, and that is... Don't give up hope because sometimes your faithful obedience and your prayers, God really will change that person. And it might be really frustrating today, but imagine the joy you'll have when your obedience, if God uses that to actually help change that other person and that makes you stronger than than you ever would have been had you not gone through that conflict. So give God's grace some space to work. Listen, let me close on this. When you consider leaving or divorcing, as a believer, you got to consider what it communicates to those around us about the love of God. Because that really was, was, you might say, God's primary purpose in marriage. It was a, a gift to us, but it was also about, about him. He was teaching us about himself. And when we walk away from a marriage because it's not fulfilling or because it makes us unhappy or we feel miserable, we implicitly and sometimes explicitly tell others that God's love is conditional. And we, it, we, we tell them that when we annoy God or disappoint God or make him unhappy, we can expect that he'll walk away from us too. And our world desperately needs to know a different kind of love, a gospel love, the patient, steadfast, never giving up love of God. So brothers and sisters, let's show them that kind of love through our marriages. Well, again, a uh, really helpful answer, just because it, it, it's good to know, how do you how do you engage with those moments you feel like your marriage is, is struggling and how do you take some next steps? And so JD, that's really helpful stuff. 
Um, we would encourage you, if you like this podcast or like any of the other episodes that you've heard, if you would leave a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews just help other people find the podcast. And if you liked it, chances are someone you know will like it as well. So we'd encourage you to send it to your friends, um, but also leave those rating and reviews so we can get the podcast out to more people. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything.